This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, where professional readers give voice to articles from Canada's best general interest magazine. I'm your host, Roger Ashby. Ten years after six million liters of leaked oil made Lac Megantic one of the worst terrestrial spills in North American history, the town has become a testing ground and a model for green urban innovation and design. Lori Wilson reads Greener Tracks. This is an article titled Greener Tracks by Caitlin Stahl-Piquette. On July 5, 2013, a train hauling 72 tankers of crude oil from North Dakota to New Brunswick stopped for the night in Nantes, Quebec. The engineer followed standard practice by parking downhill, 12 kilometres from Lac Megantique, a town in the southeastern part of the province, and activating the handbrakes and airbrakes before calling the rail traffic controller to discuss a mechanical issue that had come up throughout the trip. The lead locomotive smokestack was giving out excessive smoke. They expected the issue to settle and planned to check in the next morning. But after the engineer left, a 911 call reported a fire on board. Firefighters on the scene turned off the train's electrical breakers, cutting the air supply from the compressor to the air brakes, even after the fire was out. Just before 1 a.m., the train started rolling downhill speeding up to over 100 kilometers per hour and heading straight for Lac Megantique. At 1.15, the train derailed and detonated. The blast vaporized most of the town center, killing 47 people. In the weeks that followed, local firefighters searching through the rubble risked finding the bodies of people they knew, recalls Denis Godin, the fire department's then-captain. Quote, our job was to assess the spills, secure the area, check for ongoing danger, and to reassure people our role was to ensure public safety, he says. I didn't want them finding people they were close to. Reinforcements came from at least 135 departments across the province, and some even from the United States. After the peak of the crisis was passed and aid had packed up, Lac Megantique remained defaced. Forty buildings in the heart of its historic boomtown-style core were destroyed, and, in the years that followed, several others were deemed to be at risk and needed to be demolished. Streets once lined with 19th-century buildings were razed. 57,000 square meters burned to the ground. Decontamination alone took around three years as workers excavated 2.2 hectares of damaged terrain, brought in clean landfill, and remediated riverbanks, as well as repaired a bridge and rebuilt sewers, aqueducts, and streets. Oil was everywhere. According to Karin Dubay, the municipality's communications officer, flaming oil made its way to the lake the town is named for, eventually burning itself out. The greatest water contamination was in the Chaudière River, since the explosion happened at its mouth, and pollution from the petroleum hydrocarbons traveled all the way to Levis, 175 kilometers away. Three years later, fish in the Chaudière Basin were still showing signs of contamination and physical anomalies like lesions and tumors. The town received millions of dollars in donations from municipalities, private organizations, institutions, and individuals. 
Weeks after the accident, the federal and provincial governments announced they would contribute a total of $120 million for rescue and evacuation efforts, safety services, dangerous materials removal, and eventual reconstruction. Questions arose about how to use the reconstruction money and what rebuilding might look like. One gift from the electric vehicle accessories company Roulet Electrique foretold a direction to come. Charging stations for electric cars. Ten years after six million litres of leaked oil made Lac Mégantique one of the worst terrestrial spills in North American history, the town has become a testing ground and a model for green urban innovation and design. As then-Mayor Colette Roy LaRoche famously said shortly after the disaster, quote, an exceptional tragedy deserves exceptional reconstruction. Trains first chugged through the Estuary region of southern Quebec in the 1870s, and in 1895 through what became the town of Lac Megantique. A community grew around the busy crossroads of two sets of tracks that connected the town to others popping up along the rail lines. This was only a few years before local parish priest Joseph Eugene Choquette, affectionately called the electrical priest, brought electricity to the town on Christmas Eve 1898, long before the province-owned Hydro-Quebec centralized electricity use in 1944. Today, the company produces the vast majority of the province's electricity, with municipalities across Quebec, including Lac Megantique, hooked up to the main grid. Around 20 years ago, Hydro-Quebec started searching for solutions to make the province's communities that produce the most pollution more sustainable. Over 99% of the company's energy is renewable, the bulk of it coming from dams like Daniel Johnson in the Côte Nord region. At 214 meters tall and nearly a kilometer and a half long, and constructed using 2.2 million cubic meters of concrete, it is the tallest dam of its kind in the world. Dams come with obvious consequences for ecosystems, increased greenhouse gas emissions from inundating forests and peatlands, habitat disruption from flooding, and altered food supply due to water temperature changes. All of these often decimate the practices of Indigenous peoples living alongside the natural elements. There are 22 communities in Quebec, mainly Indigenous ones in the northern region of the province, that can't be connected to the main hydro-powered grid and instead use diesel generators. These communities produce greenhouse gas emissions disproportionate to their populations, putting pressure on Hydro-Quebec to provide wind and solar-powered alternatives. Quote, solutions need to be slightly different in the north. We often think, okay, if we have 24 hours of sunshine a day for six months and can significantly reduce diesel consumption during that time, those are savings for hydro that also reduce GHGs says Patrick Martineau, one of Hydro-Quebec's engineers. But then there are periods without much sun at all. Martineau has spent the past five years working with Lac Megantique to build the town a microgrid independent of the wider provincial network, one that can also be used as a prototype elsewhere. Quote, the project was a real-life validation of the technology developed in our research lab, he says. Now we are seeing what works and can be deployed more easily into more isolated communities. Inaugurated on July 6, 2021, 
eight years after the railway accident, the microgrid is the first of its kind in the province. It includes 2,200 solar panels installed on the roofs of downtown buildings and connected to 30 residential, commercial, and municipal buildings, with enough battery storage to power one average Canadian household for about three weeks. For a town like Lac Megantique, with 6,000 residents, the project was never designed to be fully self-sustaining. Mathieu Pepin, an engineer living in Quebec City at the time of the train disaster, returned to his hometown of Lac Megantique to become its energy transition project manager. He sees these ambitious and futuristic projects differently. Quote, it is symbolic to move away from fossil fuels for people here who were damaged by an oil spill, he says. Also, we're in a climate crisis. What better time to rebuild in a smart way? We want to show we're leaders. We can be reborn. We want to lead by example, but also show others what is possible to do in building a smart city. Rebuilding the downtown from scratch meant that the city planners, architects, and engineers involved in the project could take the biggest step possible towards sustainability, not only constructing the microgrid, but also rebuilding streets on an axis with the lake to maximize airflow constructing wider bike paths lined with trees, installing rainwater management, and prioritizing environmental education initiatives. Though they designed for a greener future, not everyone was on board with the modern aesthetics, as they meant such a significant break with history. Quote, Architects wanted to mark their era in step with contemporary styles, which they've always done. Time will tell if it looks good, says Pepin. Though the style is new, some former building blocks remain. At the Espace Memoir, public square, built on the site of the Musée Café that disappeared in the blaze, architects integrated decontaminated rocks from the former downtown, memories of a recent past. Since the tragedy, another project is in the works, to reroute the train tracks so they circumvent both the downtown core and the daily lives of residents. Once an integral part of the landscape, the train has become a sight that many can't bear. The mere idea of this changed course has advantages. According to a study about mental health since the tragedy, the 2018 announcement that the train tracks would be rerouted to the outskirts of the town ameliorated post-traumatic stress, which had earlier affected 72% of adult residents, for many. But this project has also divided people. Namely, those who would see their own landscapes marred by the change of course. Surrounding communities, such as the towns of Nantes and Frontenac, have expressed concerns over environmental impacts, like new construction affecting groundwater, or the fact that the proposed route would go through wetlands and forested areas. The municipalities also worry about the loss of tax revenue, with agricultural land being repurposed for railways. Hearings for residents opposing the expropriations were held in spring this year, but the project remains on the table. Quote, opportunity is a loaded word for many people in Lac Megantique, says Pepin. You can't call an accident that left the majority of residents with varying levels of post-traumatic stress anything but devastating. But locals, the municipality, and the company powering people's daily lives have decided the only way to move forward is to embrace transformations that can have benefits beyond the town's borders.
Tragedy isn't the only motivator for large-scale change. If the new systems pop up like beacons in remote landscapes, it will send a signal to centralized energy producers. Towns can look to Lac Megantique's rebirth as an example of how communities can modify their future relationship to power. Quote, we see ourselves like a living laboratory. To experiment, to welcome people, that's the future, Pepin says. Don't forget that we rebuilt for the community and not for the town. The 180 solar panels adorning the roof of Lac Megantique's new fire station, the first in the province to be so equipped, are a matter of growing pride. The facility, connected to the microgrid, has become a symbol. Quote, Firefighters return to the town with their families or come to see what we've done, says Dubay. They always stop by the station because it was at the heart of the effort. Though a plan for a new fire station had been in the works before the train disaster, the fire hall was shaped by the accident. The station was built in the center of town, on a street that didn't exist before. That was an article titled Greener Tracks by Caitlin Stahl Paquette. I'm Lori Wilson. You've been listening to Voices of the Walrus on AMI Audio. Produced by Don Dickinson. Audio engineering by Jacob Shemansky. The manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank, and I'm your host, Roger Ashby. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating and review, and subscribe for more. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.